0: Independence. Independence. That's a very important name in this country, a very important word in this country. It means a lot to the United States of America, the word independence. There's a story about an 18-year-old kid who woke up on his birthday at the age of 18. He got up and ran out into the living room and told his dad, I'm independent today. I am independent. Dad kind of smiled and said, oh, really? Is that true? He said, yes, yes, I am. I don't need any help anymore. I'm independent. I'm going to go out, go out and yell to the housetops that I'm independent. And the dad said, well, I would suggest you put your pants on before you go out there. <laughs> Independence is an important word both nationally and personally. We all know that when we are very young, we are dependent upon others for our health, safety, and education. And at the other end of life, as we get older, we become ill or we may have some infirmities, and once again we become dependent on others. For when independence comes to the total exclusion of others, especially those who should be close to you, It is no longer a good thing, but something that will eventually cause harm to oneself and to others. That is the state of the wealthy farmer in our first scriptural lesson read by Laura. Please note that there is no one else in that story, just the farmer and his possessions, until until God speaks to him. No sooner than he has envisioned his wealth filled future, God speaks to him and declares what that future holds for him. It is his imminent death. That is a very dramatic change in circumstances for the rich farmer. God addresses the man as a fool. God's announcement that during the night he would die dramatically changes the man's presumption held for many years, which was that after he acquired all this wealth and possessions and money, he and the possessions, wealth, and money could sit back and enjoy oneself, according to Paul, eat, drink, and be merry. The rich farmer failed to recognize he could have been a member of a community a community that both loved him and he loved them. And it would add to the richness of his life. Instead, the selfishness that he showed, God severely punished. Our second passage describes an entirely different setting than that of the wealthy farmer. To be very specific, this passage describes the community of The neighborhood church. Now, the world calls the church an institution. An institution is a woefully inadequate word to describe this church. Others call the church a great society. That also is a grossly inadequate description of this church. The church is not about buildings, budgets, and bigness. This church is not about the beauty of our spectacular view, or is it about the cookies that may be served today? Well, maybe just a little bit about the cookies that may be served today. The Apostle Paul calls the church the body of Christ. Just what the heck does that mean? Paul uses the analogy of a human body to describe the church. Specifically, he talks about the human foot, hand, eye, ears, and nose. He says that while they are separate parts of the body, the whole body is very dependent on them. Specifically, he says, but as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were single members, Where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. Paul says the church is the body of Christ, which has many parts, and each part is essential. Each one of us is an essential part of the body of Christ that is the neighborhood church. We have a unique place in this polarized society in which we live where every race, every ethnicity, every sexual orientation, the rich, the poor, the left and the right, Democrat, Republican, they are all loved and accepted as children of God in this place. How amazing is that this day and age? How does that happen? What makes it happen? How can we be truly one in this world? We must understand that we all have so much in common. We are all created by God in God's image. We are all children of God. As Paul says, For just as the body is one and has many members, And all the members of the body, though many, are one body. So it is with Christ. And he means, so it is with the body of Christ, which is the neighborhood church. Listen to the words we all affirm when we are fortunate enough to welcome a new member into our midst. And listen very carefully to these words. Because you all have repeated them many, many times. We welcome you with joy as members of the church. May your life in this church become our life. Your sorrows, our sorrows. Your joys, our joys. Your dreams, our dreams. Let us walk together where God leads. And in that walking, we come to know the deepest meaning of life and love. May God bless you and bless us all in our life together. That's what we say every time we welcome a new member into this church. Surely, we just didn't say those words because the minister led us through them. We say them because we mean them. We say them because we desire what they say to occur. We say them in celebration of people who are brought into the midst of us and who are loved by God just as we are loved by God. It is through that love that we all become a part of the body of Christ. The human body reacts to different circumstances of life in different ways. As an example, let's look at the concept of change. Our body of Christ, the neighborhood church, is about to go through a change. Our senior minister, David Young, is retiring. After he does, there will be first an interim minister here at the church, followed by a fixed, they call it, senior minister, At the church, all of you will be kept up to date on and be a part of that process. So, all of the many parts of the body of Christ that is Neighborhood Church will be involved in that process. And because we are acting as the body of Christ with the life of ministry and teaching of Jesus Christ as our guide. We will be successful. A whole new chapter for us to experience will be created. How can I be so sure that's true? How do I know that's going to happen? Well, all we need to do is look at how the body of Christ has dealt with change in the past. The biggest change that ever occurred in the body of Christ is after the crucifixion, death, resurrection, and uh, ascension of Jesus Christ. How did the body of Christ know at that time what they were to do, how they were to do it, where they were to do it? The church then was known as the early church. And how was it to know how to move on, to grow, and face new challenges? We have a description of how it was done in the book of Acts. There we see that there were no barriers between the believers. None whatsoever. No barriers. The early Christians who were rich, poor, men, women, educated, uneducated, slaves, and free. All lived, worked, and ate together, side by side, giving to each other support, love. That's how the early church reacted to change in its midst. In fact, the wealthier believers sold many of their possessions to provide for the needs of the poor members so there would be equality, equality in the church. And what was the result of this unity and equality? Their lifestyle had a significant impact on the society around them. People were coming to understand the body of Christ and what it meant and wanted to become a part of that body of Christ. That is why the Christian church had such a dramatic growth in the early years of its existence. Just in a relatively few few years, it grew to exist all around the Mediterranean Sea, all the way from Spain over the Middle East and the northern part of Africa, and grew and grew and grew at a pace that no one, no one at that time really expected. The body of Christ of the neighborhood church need not be uncertain, concerned, and wondering about the future. God is with us. God's hand is guiding us. And this body of Christ will come through this process stronger and better, able to serve God, which is what we are all called to do. I'm going to close with a what's called a visualization prayer. And let us pray. Dear God, There is a tall cliff where the waves beat against its base. On the top of that cliff, there is a beautiful building. From that building, a very bright light has been shining for years. Gracious and ever-giving God, that light is your light. It is the light with which you have blessed the community That resides within that light and within that building. As you know, it is no ordinary community. It is the body of Christ that is the neighborhood church. Today, we ask you to allow that light to continue to be brighter and brighter and brighter. So, it illuminates not only the sea beside it, not only the towns beside it, not only the state in which it resides, not only the United States in which it resides, but the entire world in which it resides. That can be done when a community acts as it is, and it is the body of Christ. Let it be so. Amen.